Hello and welcome to Inside Job with V and Pam. We're here to share and discuss ways that we've found joy, meaning, self-love, and purpose in our life journeys. Though our lives have unique trajectories and we all have our own experiences, one truth remains constant. Change is an inside job. Our wish is to share at least one spark that lights your inner flame, helping illuminate what's true for you so that you can find your next right steps. Hello, my friends. This is Virginia. Before we head into today's podcast, I want to let you know about a few offers from V. Labasi Transformational Coaching. The first is a three-card oracle reading. This is a half-hour session that I'm offering free of charge. The second is a half-hour coaching session, also at no cost, if you're curious about the process and want to try it out. And the third is a new group program, Reclaim Your Power, that begins on April 1st. For more information, you'll find the links to all three of these in the show notes. Get a spot for yourself and be sure to share this with someone you know who might also be interested. And as always, thanks so much for your support. Let's go listen to the podcast. This is episode 49. Today, V touches on the double-sided coin of avoidance and accountability. How does avoidance serve us and where does it start? V offers some insights and perspective on how avoidance impacts our lives and why it can be so tricky to unpack. She also talks about the challenges of accountability, ways that we have learned to avoid or deflect it in our lives and how we can gently lean in and use accountability to take back our power. Hello, my friends. Hello, and welcome again to Inside Job with V and Pam. This is Virginia, and I'll be your host again today. I am going to bring up a few different things, as we usually do here. Uh, I'm going to be talking about accountability, I'm going to be talking about avoidance, and I'm going to be talking about what it takes for us to be truly accountable with ourselves. So I've been thinking a lot in the past couple of months about ways that we leak our power and ways that we can build up our power within ourselves. Because as you know, I believe that we all have all we need to experience the power of living our lives the way that we want to. Uh, If you've been listening to this podcast for more than just the last couple of minutes, you know that I believe our power to change lies in our power to choose. And so I've been thinking about ways that we act without even thinking about it or without being conscious of it that leak our energy from us and that keep us stuck or trapped in the patterns that we have lived in throughout our lives sometimes. I've also been thinking about the ways that we can 
recognize those patterns, the ways that we can own them, that we can take responsibility for our patterns and for our part in them, and what we can do to create a different outcome or a different ending to that part of the story. So one of the one of the dichotomies, I guess I'll say, that has come up for me in the last couple of weeks is around avoidance and accountability. Avoidance is a coping mechanism that some of us learn early on in life, some of us learn later on in life. If if we are honest with ourselves, which I invite you to be, and I also invite myself to be, although it is easier to talk about than it is to do. Um, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize where we have avoided different situations or different encounters or different people or different characteristics of ourselves or of others. And we do it for a variety of reasons. Why do we avoid? We avoid because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We avoid because we don't want to be put on the spot. We avoid because we believe that it's easier in the moment to put a good face on it, whatever it might be, to um, to pretend that everything's fine. We avoid because we don't want the discomfort of a confrontation or a disagreement. We avoid because Ultimately, I mean, I could give you a a laundry list of reasons why people avoid things, why I've avoided things, maybe why you've avoided things or people or whatever it is. Uh, Ultimately, we avoid because we believe that's going to keep us safe. We avoid because it feels less, less uncomfortable than, uh, than not avoiding. So I say less uncomfortable because in my experience and in the experiences of the people I've worked with um, and the stories I've, they've told me and stories that I've shared here and I know Pam has shared here, um, we can become comfortable in our discomfort. In other words, if my discomfort is familiar to me, if it's a recurring pattern in my life, even if I'm unhappy with it, even if I complain about it, even if I say, I wish this part of my life was different, that discomfort is familiar and we take comfort in that discomfort because it is familiar, if that makes sense. So in other words, if you think about it in a material way, If you have an old pair of shoes that rub your ankles and give you a blister periodically, if you wear different socks or if you wear them on a different day or whatever it might be, but it doesn't give you a blister all the time because that's acute discomfort and that's something that we try to avoid at all costs. Our bodies and our nervous systems don't appreciate discomfort our bodies and our nervous systems actually seek a level of 
evenness, which is called homeostasis. It's the word, it, the word that means we seek an even keel. We seek a level ground, right? So our discomfort is like a pair of old shoes that doesn't give us pinchy toes all the time. And when it does, we say, oh, right, that's why I don't wear these shoes very often. But yet we return to them because it might be the pair of shoes that goes with that outfit, or it might be the pair of shoes that's available at the door as we're rushing out to go wherever it is we're going. Or it might be that that's the pair of shoes that is in the best condition, or we believe that's the only choice we have, right? So like I said, I am all about the power of choice and that being where our power really lies. So if we continue to choose this familiar discomfort, we are in a way bringing ourselves a level of evenness because that discomfort is familiar. So we avoid fresh discomfort. We can perpetuate or continue familiar discomfort because it's not the discomfort that is comforting, it's the familiarity that is comforting. So we will choose a familiar discomfort over a fresh discomfort, if that makes sense. So avoidance is a way that we can keep ourselves from that acute level of discomfort by choosing what's less uncomfortable for us. So why do we do that? We do it because we believe it's keeping us safe. What's really happening is we are perpetuating a pattern. We are perpetuating a cycle that keeps us stuck. Why do we do it? We do it because we're human. We do it because our urge or our yearning for homeostasis and that even keel outweighs our, our, what we believe is our ability to move through acute discomfort in order to achieve a new level of that evenness. So when I talk about avoidance and accountability, what I'm saying is that avoidance, avoidance serves a purpose because we believe it's protecting us from a new sort of discomfort. What we don't recognize is that avoidance doesn't always serve us. Just like so many of our coping mechanisms, we learned them a long time ago, sometimes as younger adults, sometimes as teenagers, sometimes as younger kids. We may not remember what it was that first gave us that understanding that avoidance or whatever the coping mechanism is, was our best option. But what happens is as we use those coping mechanisms over time, they become more and more entrenched in our brains. They become, the way that our brains are built, these coping mechanisms become the neural pathways that we, that we choose or that are fired in times of distress. 
when all of us, when any of us, when each of us is at our best, when we are well-resourced, and by well-resourced I mean hydrated, well-nourished, well-rested, when we have the support we need emotionally, uh, foundationally, materially, we can push ourselves to try something new, to get, you've heard this, get out of your comfort zone, to take a risk, to take a leap and to say, yes, I'm committing to doing this thing that makes me uncomfortable because I believe it will help me grow. When we are well-resourced, that type of inner work and self-exploration is more readily available to us. When we are under duress, when we are in fear, when we believe that we're in a place of lack, when we believe that we're in a place of scarcity, when we are in distress or what we perceive as danger, we resort to the coping mechanisms that we know, the ones that we would like to outgrow, but that we haven't extinguished or outgrown just yet. And why am I even bringing this up? Well, personal story, I have been doing a lot of my own inner work over the years and have shifted my focus in the past few months to a different aspect. So let me backtrack a little bit. One of my favorite things to do is to uh, is to do some level of inner work for myself. It's just where my it's where my comfort zone is. It's where I believe that I am getting the biggest bang for my buck energetically. It's also um, true confession here. It's also a way of uh, protecting myself and hiding myself because I can say that I'm doing the inner work. And I don't necessarily have to produce something as a result. I can say, oh, I have a better understanding of that now, or I see it from a different perspective now. And over the years, I have learned that choosing inner work is a way of avoiding other aspects of my life that are more acutely uncomfortable. True confession. So I have learned the pattern of seeking inner work, whether it's through reading, whether it's through um, writing, whether it's through talking. Uh, I do a lot of talking. (laughs) And um, I have learned to use those actions, when I'm honest with myself, as avoiders for being more accountable, for leaning into acute discomfort, and for creating real change in my life. So this all came to this all came to a much sharper point for me over the course of the last week or so, the last couple weeks. 
Again, if I'm honest, and I'm talking about honesty today, so I might as well be honest. Um, let's see. I have. What have I been noticing? How do I know that I'm avoiding? Here's how I know that I'm avoiding. I see old behavior patterns coming up. I notice that I am omitting information or details. I'm withholding information or details. I am keeping some of my conversations very logistical, very rational, very superficial. So it's all about those conversations are all about here's the plan. Where does this piece fit in for you? Where does this piece fit in for me? How can we make it work? In my life, keeping conversations at that level has become a safety because it means that I don't have to dig any deeper or come up against a disagreement or a difference of opinion where I may have to defend my stance. I hope that's clear. So I've noticed that in the past, okay, not even the past couple of weeks, in the past couple of months, I have begun to observe in myself some of those avoidant behaviors. And as I observe them in myself, if I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid, I recognize that I get to change these behaviors in myself by making a different choice, by choosing to have a deeper conversation, by choosing to ask an open question from a place of curiosity that the other person may or may not be willing to engage in and being okay with that, accepting that that's where the other person is in this moment and then just allowing that conversation to unfold because that's what I'm finding happens. I plant the seed and the other person initially says, that's not something I want to talk about right now. And then over time, uh, that conversation begins to open up and unfold. That is a relatively new observation that I've made in my personal life. And I believe it is because I am coming to those interactions, not trying to avoid but holding myself accountable rather than responsible for the whole scenario, holding myself accountable for my part in it. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit convoluted here, so I'm going to step back for a minute. So avoidance is a coping mechanism that we develop to keep us safe. We can notice it by old behavior patterns popping up. For me, like I said, it's keeping those conversations at a superficial level. It is not really engaging in anything more personal than that. And how that impacts my relationships is that it pushes me out of connection, interpersonal connection, into a more transactional relationship where it's a trade. If I do this, 
then I expect that. Look what I've done here for you. This is what I hope you'll do for me. Rather than accountability, which I think is the other side of this coin. So here's what accountability looks like and here's what accountability helps us do. Accountability is taking responsibility not for the entire situation or the entire outcome, but owning our part, especially when we're in interaction with other people. It's one thing to be accountable for yourself when you're the only player in the game, when you're the only person in the scenario and you say, well, I'm going to do this for myself today. My, my goal is to uh, to be able to do 10 push-ups. So today I'm going to start with one push-up. Okay, then in order to be accountable to myself, I have to take that action and do that push-up. And if I don't take that action and do that push-up, who am I accountable to? Only me. This is why when people are embarking on a new exercise routine, it's helpful to have a partner that's also involved with you, like a walking buddy or a running partner or somebody you go to the gym with, or a personal trainer. This is why people hire personal trainers. This is why people hire coaches. This is why people um, go to therapy. Because when we recognize that we are struggling to be responsible to ourselves for the outcome that we say we want, we can ask for help and say, hey, I could use some accountability here. I could use somebody to kind of hold me to it and say, hey, did you do your push-up today? No, I didn't do my push-up today. Why not? Your, your goal is to do 10 push-ups. You said you were going to do one push-up today. It's just one push-up. Why didn't you do it? Well, laundry list of excuses, right? So when we are accountable to ourselves, there's a certain level of discipline that's required. And this is a reason that a lot of us fall short of our goals. A lot of us fall short of the aspirations that we say we're working toward because we find at the end of the day that we don't have to hold ourselves accountable. If I'm the only one involved, I can do whatever I want. And if I don't do the push-up, oh well, I didn't do the push-up today. So what? You going to tell me what to do? Nobody's going to tell me what to do if I'm the only one involved. So being accountable is about taking responsibility for our actions and for the outcome that those actions produce, right? That's why accountability is simultaneously better and more uncomfortable when we bring somebody else into the mix. Because if you and I are accountability partners for a project, and I say, I'll do these three things if you do those four things, or those two things, or it doesn't matter, those three things, and you say, okay, no problem, and you do your work, and I'm over here slacking off, twiddling my thumbs, or scrolling the internet, or having a snack, and you say, hey, where's your part? Where's your part in the project? 
you were supposed to do these three things. And I go, oh, well, you know, I really didn't feel like it. How does that feel? Not very good. I've been on the, I've been on both sides of that equation. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that you've been on at least one side of that equation as well. And there are a number of ways, a number of uh, emotions that are elicited when we're on either side of that equation. If we're the person who's done the work and the other person hasn't, it can lead to anger, it can lead to resentment, it can lead to blame, it can lead to, uh, sh you know, like humiliating somebody else, it can lead to shaming somebody else. If you're the person who is not done the work, it can lead to shame, it can lead to guilt, it can lead to uh, low self-worth, it can lead to all the stories we tell ourselves about the reasons that we always fail. Here's the thing, we always get to choose. So when we say, I'm going to do X, we get to choose whether we're going to do it or not, we also reap the outcome or the consequence or the benefit of taking the action or not taking the action. And that's where our power lies. Instead of saying to your accountability partner, well, you know, you're making me look bad because you're the one doing all the work. And now I feel guilty because I haven't done any of the work. It's your fault. Nope. It is not the other person's fault. Accountability underneath all of the stories we tell ourselves, accountability rests within us. We are responsible for ourselves. We are responsible for the choices we make, for the actions we take, and for what we choose to do with the outcome and the information we gather as a result of the action that we take or don't take. So avoidance is a coping mechanism that we believe helps keep us safe. It doesn't really always keep us safe. Accountability is a way of stepping closer to who we really want to be. If we say we really want to be responsible and autonomous and, uh, sorry, I just had a, a brain blip. If we say we want to be responsible and autonomous and create a good outcome for ourselves or for other people, in order to do that, we need to be accountable for the actions that we take or don't take and the choices that we make. Because we can talk all day long. This is what I was getting to. <laughs> we can talk all day long about what we want to do or what we say we're going to do or what we think we should do. All of that is just noise. And when I said to you before, I talk a lot and how that's an avoidant uh, behavior for me, I can talk about stuff like this topic. I can philosophize. I can bring in quotes from a number of prominent thought leaders. I can give my own personal perspective on something. Um, I can share insights. I can tell client stories. I can share some of my own personal stories. But at the end of all of that talking, it is still up to me 
to choose whether or not I'm going to change that behavior, whether I'm going to continue to just talk, 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 and make a lot of noise and shout into the void, or whether I am going to call myself out and be accountable and say, I'm no longer willing to feel this way as a result of my avoidance. So what are my other options? This is where vulnerability comes in. Vulnerability is at its core being honest deeply, deeply, sometimes uncomfortably honest with ourselves about what's really going on, about the part that we are playing in our lives and the ways that they're unfolding. It is very, very, very easy, compelling, I would even say seductive, to point the finger of blame at all the reasons that I am where I am right now, or you are where you are right now. Well, it's his fault. If he hadn't taken that action, then I wouldn't have had to do this. Or it's, she did this to me. She was the one who made that decision. And if she hadn't done that, if she had only made a different decision, then I wouldn't be dealing with this pile of crap right now. It's her fault that I'm stuck here. No, sorry, not true. Number one, we can't control anybody else's actions. Number two, blaming other people for where we are is playing the victim. That's avoiding responsibility to ourselves for how we want our lives to look and what we want the outcome to be. That's where vulnerability comes in. Because when we can be vulnerable with ourselves, and I am not saying this is easy, (laughs) it is simple, it is not easy. It can be painfully, sharply uncomfortable to be vulnerable with ourselves and be honest with ourselves about our role in what our lives are like. It's far more comfortable at times to put all the fingers of blame out to everybody else. I have said to my kids and was said to me numerous times, when you point the finger at somebody else, there are three fingers pointing back at you. So when I point the finger of blame at somebody else, there are three fingers of blame pointing back at me which is actually the case. Because we can lay everything at somebody else's feet all day long. What does that do? It robs us of our own power. It robs us of the ability to say, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. I am doing something differently starting right now. I don't know how that looks yet but I know that I am no longer willing to tolerate that. So avoidance is a coping mechanism. Accountability is where our power lies. And it comes from being vulnerable with ourselves and recognizing where, we've, where we own what 
has transpired and where we own what's going to happen next. So I would invite you today or over the next few days, whenever you're listening to this, to lean in a little bit, to give yourself some space and some grace and some compassion and to ask yourself, what am I avoiding? What pain, what discomfort, what story, what belief am I avoiding? How am I protecting myself by avoiding that? And am I still willing to continue to avoid it? What would it look like for me to take responsibility for that? Not for the whole scenario, because remember, we can't control anybody else. If I do what I believe is best in the moment, which is what I think we all do, not what I think we all do, what I feel we all do. If I believe that I'm doing what's best in the moment and it doesn't turn out the way that I pictured because somebody else didn't agree with it or somebody else took an action that was beyond my control, so be it. I'll remind you that every, every scenario, every circumstance, every reaction, response, consequence, outcome is an opportunity for us to learn more, to take in more information and say, okay, that worked. I would like to do that again, or that didn't work. And I would like to do something else, please. So when we can be honest with ourselves and ask, not how do I control this whole scenario, but what's mine to own? What part of this belongs to me? That is where we can begin to stop the avoiding, to stop the coping that has kept us surviving up till now, but has also kept us from thriving. What do I own in this scenario? What's my responsibility? And what's one action that I can take starting now? to change this for myself and within myself. That is where we begin to take accountability. That is where we get, begin to take responsibility. And that is where we begin to take back our power. So, my friends, that note is where I will leave you for today. I thank you as always for your time, for your attention, for your willingness to sit in here and listen. I hope that you have found this to be time well spent. Next week, Pam will be back with us, and I am looking forward to welcoming her back with open arms and giving her all the love and support that I know she brings to our table for herself, for myself, and for all of us. In the meantime, uh, I hope that you have found the last few weeks of these solo podcasts to be of service. Please feel free to share this with someone who you think would benefit from it. Please feel free to rate us and review us on any of the platforms that you listen to us on, because that really helps us spread the word to everyone else who might 
come across it who might read your review and say, hey, that sounds interesting. I'd like to hear more about that. Thank you so, so much for your support. It means the world to us. And we could not continue to do this without knowing that you are out there listening to what we say. And we hope that it brings you something that sparks your inner flame and helps you remember what is true for you and what matters most for you in this moment. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to being back with you again next week. Until then, take good care. Be well. We love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we appreciate you spending time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know. And thanks for your support. Pam and V are certified coaches who love to help people remember who they're truly meant to be. To find out more about working with Pam Davis, you can contact her at coachpamdavis at gmail.com. For more information about Virginia's work, visit her website at www.vlabasi.com. That's www.vlabasi.com.